Hey there, and welcome back to the Nutrition Edit Podcast. I'm your host, Jeannie Oliver, Functional Nutrition and Wellness Coach, and today my guest is Genevieve Joy. Genevieve is a quantum healer and certified master hypnotherapist, and she has also been fully initiated into the ancient Polynesian healing art of Huna. She now uses these tools to guide other women in healing the source of their most problematic patterns, enabling them to create lives that feel vibrant, joyful, and deeply fulfilling. I've always been very curious about hypnotherapy, and today we dive into what it is, what it isn't, and how we can best put it to use for healing and behavior change. I learned a ton from Genevieve today, and I had so much fun talking with her, so I think you're going to love this episode. So without further ado, let's jump in. Welcome to the Nutrition Edit Podcast for high-performing women who want to up-level their health and feel their best in their bodies, careers, and personal lives. In this podcast, I'll sift through the latest nutrition and biohacking trends to filter out the bullshit, share what you really need to know, and help you put the good stuff into practice in a way that works for you. You'll get actionable tips from guest experts and myself on how to up-level your mindset, workouts, relationships, and environment, and start feeling like the badass woman you are. Join me as we bust through the bro science and male-centric health paradigm to help you achieve optimal performance, body, mind, and soul. Hey, Genevieve. Welcome. I'm so glad to have you here today. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Jeannie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, welcome. I'm so excited to talk to you about this today because it's something I've been curious about for a really long time. And I know that there are a lot of myths around hypnotherapy and you know, just misconceptions. Those of us like myself who may be sort of leaning towards control freak status are a little freaked out by the idea of being hypnotized. So, so many questions for you today. I'm really excited about it, but let's just dive in. I want to hear a little more about your background. Tell us your story. It's so powerful. And then share a little bit about how you got into doing this work. Yeah. Yeah. My story is kind of wild. And it really starts back in 2017 when I was at the lowest point in my life, physically, emotionally, and mentally, I was born with thyroid cancer that went undetected until it became the size of a softball when I was 11. And it had already metastasized and spread 200 smaller tumors all the way from the base of my brain to the top of my heart. And, and I did have the cancer removed and I was taking thyroid replacement hormone, but my entire life, I had to deal with an extreme level of fatigue that did not go away even after the surgery. And when I was two years old, I was diagnosed with an intense chronic pain condition called interstitial cystitis, which if you're not familiar, is the pain of a bladder infection without any actual infection. So there's no obvious way to make it go away. And so doctors told me that they didn't know how to fix it, but they offered me <laughs> some pretty intense narcotic drugs to try and manage that pain, but it, it just never went away. So I spent every day of my life in just extreme levels of fatigue and physical pain. And I also grew up in an extremely abusive family. My parents were both raging narcissists and they just terrorized me emotionally and psychologically. And by the time I made it to college, I just felt like a completely worthless human being. And I was so psychologically traumatized that I, I honestly had a hard time telling the difference sometimes between my dreams and reality. But you would never have known that any of this was going on to, to look at me. Not And not even my closest friends knew because I had straight A's. I was a student athlete in college. I mean, I had my stuff together. But the only reason I was able to do that was because when I was 13, I, I made a very conscious choice to 
completely dissociate myself from my body so that I could get on with my life. I mean, I, I remember the day I was sitting in my room and I was in so much pain and I was so tired and I just wanted to sleep all day long. And I was so tired of being afraid of my parents. And I remember thinking, I cannot go on like this anymore. I, to be honest, I, I was like, I don't think I can kill myself, but I can't keep living like this. So I just decided to become the world's greatest people pleaser. And I would just agree to shape shift into whoever I needed to be to get my parents to leave me alone. And I just decided to become as numb as I had to be to my body so that I could do the things I wanted to do to have some semblance of a life. i I wanted to play sports and I wanted to do creative writing and I wanted to play music. So every day from that day on, I woke up and I asked myself, okay, what would I do today if I was not in pain or exhausted or super depressed? And then I just would pretend that I was not any of those things that I'd go do whatever I wanted to do. I was still miserable, but at least I was doing stuff, right? Well, (laughs) fast forward to 2017, I was in a much more intense moment of that moment when I was 13, when I realized I can't live like this anymore. That interstitial cystitis pain had become so intense that it would cause me to vomit or pass out on a regular basis. And I'm over six feet tall and I only weighed 112 pounds. I look like a walking skeleton. And I'd spent the last 14 years in an abusive marriage. And my ability to pretend like I was okay, physically, mentally, or emotionally was gone, completely gone. I just felt like there's there's absolutely no way that this is ever going to get better. I felt like my life is basically the same since it was when I was a little kid. And, and if I can't figure out a way to fix this, then it's just, it must never going to, you know, change. But again, I felt like I can't kill myself. I can't end this because I've got kids. Yeah. And if I'm not here, they're going to be stuck with their abusive dad if I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And then one day, My ex-husband gave me the greatest gift that I've ever received to this day. And I mean that seriously. He's a big drinker. And during the day, you know, he'd go to work and like live it up with his friends. Then he'd come home and take all of his emotions out on me. And I would respond every time by saying like the right things, quote unquote, right? I'd say, what you're doing is totally unacceptable. And it's true, right? And you need to knock it off now. Look how you're hurting me. Look how you're hurting the kids. And every time he'd respond in exactly the same way. I don't have a problem. You're the only one with the problem here. And he was obviously trying to gaslight me, right? And for a long time, it worked. Until one day, everything happened like it always happens, right? The pattern repeated. But when he said those words that day, for some reason, I just, I heard them differently. And I allowed myself to stop for a second and just get a little bit curious And I asked myself, all right, hold on a minute. (laughs) What's a problem really? Well, maybe a problem that is something that causes somebody to feel pain. Okay, that that seems right. All right, well, who in this situation is feeling pain? Oh, it's not him. That's me. (laughs) And that means I am the one with the problem. Well, if this problem belongs to me, then I am the one with the authority to fix it. And that is when everything changed. And I became totally single-minded in that moment. I stopped trying to save my ex from himself and I stopped trying to save my kids from their dad. And I decided to put everything I had into saving myself because I realized that's the only thing I had the power to do. Mm -hmm. And I just held on to the belief that by doing everything I possibly could to end this obvious generational pattern of abuse, both self-abuse and abuse from other people, then I would show my kids how to save themselves too. 
Yeah. And I'll tell you, that is exactly what happened. The very next day I filed for divorce, I started researching the weirdest, <laughs> most out there healing methods to try to heal my physical, mental, and emotional suffering yeah. because I'd been in traditional therapy my whole life and it didn't change anything for me mentally or emotionally. I'd been to doctors at the top research hospitals all over the country. They couldn't do a thing for my physical pain. You know, and then I got into, you know, a little more of the like mainstream woo-woo, right? I tried yoga, meditation, journaling, and I definitely had more hope, but nothing in my everyday reality was changing at all. So I just decided to get as far away from the mainstream as I could go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Get me all the weird stuff. Let me try it. And I found hypnotherapy and quantum healing. And I learned about one tiny little piece of the full quantum healing process that I now teach my students. And one day when I had a really intense pain flare-up of that interstitial cystitis, I was in my car. I was sobbing. I was close to passing out. I stopped driving, obviously. And I thought, you know what? I don't have anything to lose. So why don't I just give this weird thing a shot? So without really knowing what I was doing, I tried it. And I'll tell you what, within 30 minutes, my physical pain went from being a 10 out of 10 to a three. And that had never happened before, even with hardcore narcotics. And 20 minutes later, by the time I got home, my pain was at a zero. And since that moment, six years ago, it's never come back. Not even a teeny tiny bit, even though the most stressful times of my life have happened after that moment. The piece of that process is something that I call timelining. The way I do it now has evolved immensely since that little process that I used. In that moment, the idea is to go back to the original root cause of the pattern, which is something you will probably not consciously remember. But in that moment, because my, my body was so lit up, all of my neurological pathways associated with that pain, which is the same neurological pathways that are associated with the emotional constellation that I have around that pain, right? It's all the same thing. They were as lit up as they could possibly be. And that means all I really needed was anything. Anything can help me access the unconscious root of that. So it's going to go like that Hmm. because it was so on fire, right? And so that's what I did. I I went back in time and I recalled a highly, highly charged memory associated with the emotions of that pain. And I did some work to give and receive healing information around that. And it was just gone. It was just gone. Now, I don't recommend doing it that way because most people's neurology is not going to be lit up to the degree that mine was. That's why that was so effective because that process wasn't as effective as it could be, right? But yeah, that's why it worked. And I, I believe it was so effective. And the changes that it created were so permanent because I actually deleted the neurology that was creating my physical pain and the emotional pain that went with it. That neurology is gone, which is why it cannot come back. So yeah, after that day, I remember I got home I, and I just sat in my car holding onto the steering wheel and like really letting the realization sink in of what I just did. I just did something that doctors all over this country told me would never be possible. Mm. I made a miracle, a real life miracle. And in that moment, I I was a totally different woman. And I, I, I can, I can do magic here. I have to tell everybody else if I can do magic, if I can change the thing that was torturing me, then 
what else can I do? And I want to help other women learn how to stop their own suffering, right? So I got my certification as a master hypnotherapist and I started working with women who wanted to heal the source of their problematic patterns. And I just kept learning and refining and learning, refining. And I continued to take my study of unconscious healing methods even further, even to the more kind of esoteric, right? Until I went through a very powerful spiritual initiation process into ancient Hawaiian Huna, which I believe is like the pinnacle of unconscious healing methods. And, and that's what I use today. Wow. That's intense. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. And I mean, wow. Like, I don't even know what to say to that. I think that so many of us, obviously it's, it's relative for everyone, right? It's, I think sometimes we can get into this like contest, so to speak, in our own heads of like, well, I don't have it that bad. It could be so much worse. I could have gone through what Genevieve did or what someone else did, and it could just be so much worse. And so we push things off and push things off and we don't address them because we're minimizing them. And I think that in itself is sort of a survival mechanism. Like it's not that bad. We can just keep going. And it's a way of dissociating as well. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I mean, thanks for sharing that because that's, an incredible shift in what you'd experienced your entire life up to that point. Yeah. And so you said that started when you were two, how old were you? And if you don't mind me asking when this shift happened, let's see. So I was 37, eight, okay. seven, eight, somewhere in there. Yeah. My thirties. <laughs> Isn't that so interesting? Yeah. I, I didn't get into doing my own work until my late thirties either. A very interesting time in our lives, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. awakening and a realization. That midlife. So, yep, it's a beautiful time. Hello, nutrition editors. If you've been listening and you're ready to put this work into practice in your own life, head over to joliverwellness.com and book a free 30 minute chat to learn more about coaching with me or to check out my self study programs. I also invite you to join my email list where you'll hear from me a few times each month with recipes and strategies for reducing stress, improving your metabolic health, and working out smarter, not harder. Subscribers will also receive exclusive offers in my programs that I don't share anywhere else, and you'll get early access to registration for my Body Liberation Together group program. I look forward to connecting with you, and let's get back to the show. So tell me, why don't you tell us what hypnotherapy actually is and how it works. Because I think that we all sort of have this idea of, you know, the random guy on the stage yeah. and besides this, someone that makes them quack like a dog, yeah. like a dog, whatever. So tell us what it actually is. Okay. So first of all, that's a thing. And you know, <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's not this. <laughs> I don't. I mean, quacking like a duck is fine, but like, how does that help you change your life? If quacking like a duck help you to change your life, I'd be all on board. But I, I haven't find. I haven't found a way for that to do that. So that's why I don't do it. <laughs> so hypnosis is a fairly general term that refers to any process that allows you to access your unconscious mind. That's the aspect of you that runs your bodily functions, your emotions, your memories, your desires, your thoughts, your obsessions and compulsions. Anything that you don't consciously choose is run by your unconscious mind. And I think the thing that's really important to notice here is that your unconscious mind is the link between your body, your emotions, your thoughts, 
and the desire you have to make or avoid making certain choices. There's an unconscious motivation, right, behind your choices. And unless you're using a healing process that has the power to access that unconscious source that's driving your emotions, your thoughts, and your choices, then the chance of you being able to make a big change that lasts over the long term isn't great because you can't just consciously choose to override your unconscious programming. You, you can't just like you can't consciously choose to stop your own heart right now. It's the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Now, when you do use an unconscious healing process, you're able to do one simple thing that creates a massive change in your experience of life. And that happens because when you make a change at the unconscious level, you're changing the very mechanism by which your entire reality and your quality of life is created. That means you will feel like a totally different person. Yeah. That's so powerful. I, you know, I, tend to use the term like, oh, your your brain is driving the bus or your mind is driving the bus, which that's true to some degree, but there is so much that is subconscious for us mm-hmm. that we can't understand with our logical minds, Mm-mm. right? Mm-mm. As to, well, why, even though I know something doesn't serve me well, I know that drinking too much alcohol or eating tons of sugar, whatever it might be, you know, mm-hmm. not moving my body, I know these things don't work for me. They don't serve me well. I know consciously so many of the people that I work with, they know a lot. It's not lack of knowledge that they are coming in with. Yeah, It's this deeper emotional driver that exists yeah. that it could be easier or harder to uncover. And so that's why I think this is so exciting because it taps into those things. And what I think is coming now into our social consciousness is this better understanding of just how our nervous systems work. Yeah. And look, even if you've been in a very negative or abusive situation, you're used to that. So the nervous system knows it's kind of the devil, you know, exactly familiarity there. Yeah. And it's going to keep trying to maintain that sort of state because that's familiar. We know how to cope with that. We know how to navigate that. But even if we're making positive changes, like that tells the nervous system because the nervous system doesn't have like a little, you know, thinking, reasoning brain. It's just mm-hmm. cellular, you know, on a cellular primal level, mm-hmm. it's going to react to keep us safe, keep yep. us alive. Yep. And so, you know, I see this so many times. I think a really good example is we all have, and I think I've used this in a previous podcast, like we've all got the one friend who like dates essentially the same person over and over. And it's always a terrible situation. It's always a bad choice. Yep. But they're attracted to that type of person because it's something that's familiar, that feels safe in that, even mm-hmm. if it's absolutely the opposite. So, yep. yeah. So anyway, I got off track a little bit on, <laughs> on that subject. <laughs> I just think it's really helpful and empowering to understand that our nervous systems want to keep us someplace. And so it's natural to have this sort of innate built-in resistance to change. And we can release the shame around that. Absolutely. And like... Yeah. And like, let's just, let me let everybody off the hook here. (laughs) But, you know, when we have those moments, when we like find ourselves at the end of a relationship with the same kind of D-bag that we've been dating forever, right? You should know it's one of my favorite terms. (laughs) Yeah, like totally. You know what I mean? It's not like you saw that guy and you were like, douche canoe over here. Let me sign up for this one. That's my dude, right? That obviously didn't happen, right? You know, same thing with finding yourself, you know, in front of the freezer at midnight, just, you know, hoovering a pint of ice cream. It's not like you said, this is going to be a great look for me. I'm going to, yes to that. Yes to that. That's not what happened. 
right? There is an emotional resource. There is something that you felt like you were lacking. And that douche canoe or that pint of ice cream or what the new purse that you just spent way too much money on, right? Yeah. That was giving you access to an emotional resource that you felt like you didn't have enough of and that there was no other way for you to get in the moment. That's why you did that. So quit beating yourself up over that. You need that emotional resource. You need that, right? Now, what we can do with hypnotherapy is neutralize your attachment to having it so that you can actually receive it and the blocks that are keeping you from having it, right? So that it's yours now. And now we don't need to go looking for it in inappropriate ways like douche canoes and pint of ice cream and overpriced handbags, right? Now you can ask yourself, wait a minute, what about this guy? is attracting me to him. Or obviously you won't be attracted to those kinds of guys anymore, right? But when you're thinking about ice cream, when you're thinking about purses, it's a totally different kind of feeling for you. That's how you're able to make conscious choices, right? We need to get that unconscious programming that's keeping you stuck in that pattern handled so that you can actually consciously create your life. You won't be able to consciously create your life until you do that, right? So no need for blame. That doesn't need to be a part of it at all, right? This is about a search for resources. And those resources are things that you need. You're just going about them in inappropriate ways. Let's take care of that. And then it's going to be no big deal. Right. Yeah. So give me a little play-by-play. I come into your office or we're having a session online, however you work. Yeah. And okay, Janie, it's time. Like we're going to do some hypnotherapy work. What does that look like? Okay. Well, first of all, I want to tell you, explain to folks what trance is. Trance is just the name we call of like that state you go into when you are in hypnosis. Notice I did not say being hypnotized, okay? All hypnosis <laughs> is self-hypnosis, okay? I can say things to you. I'm just going to give you directions, right? Go inside, see this happening, see this happening. You can do it or not do it. it it's totally up to you, right? So what if I told you that you are in a trance right this moment. You and I are both in a trance together. Everybody listening to this is in a trance right now. It's just that, again, the name of the state that you're in when you're hypnotized. We're in a very, very light trance right now, but you are in one. Every time you read, watch TV, listen to a podcast, scroll through social media, drive in your car, you are in a trance, okay? Every moment that you move through life without 100% conscious awareness, you're in a trance. But in Mm -hmm. order to do that, every single moment of every day, you'd have to consciously ask yourself, what do I want now? What do I want now? What do I want now? But we don't do that. And that's that's not a bad thing, right? Because you literally drive yourself insane if you did that, (laughs) right? You can't live like that. So we need our unconscious minds because they make our lives easier and they give us peace and the space to rest, right? So with hypnotherapy, all we're doing is recognizing, hey, you're already in a trance most of the time. Why don't we do it on purpose? with the intention of healing our most problematic patterns so we can consciously create a life that feels vibrant, joyful, and deeply fulfilling instead of numbing ourselves and living life on autopilot, right? right? So it's going on a deeper level, essentially. Yep. And we're getting information first. The first step is to get information. And I'm going to tell you now, it doesn't have anything to do with who did what to you and what their damage was. That is not helpful. What I want to know is, what's that resource, right? Mm -hmm. What are you hoping to have happen or stop happening when you date Mr. Douche Canoe? (laughs) (laughs) Right? How are you expecting to feel? What's going to stop happening for you when you find Prince Charming, when you find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right or whoever it is, right? And we get all of these resources that have been keeping this problematic pattern attached to you. Let me go get all that stuff. Notice, I don't need details about mm-hmm. what made you choose that. I don't need any about that stuff. 
Okay. I don't need any of that information. In fact, when we get into the details of your problem, all it's doing is solidifying the neurology that you've created around the problem. So I never recommend, please do not get into conversations with your friends about all of these things. You're just making it worse. Okay. It's one thing to talk about feelings. Right now I'm feeling X, Y, Z, and I'm feeling this other way. As soon as you start using the word because you are traveling a very dangerous path. Okay. So just be aware of that. What I recommend we do instead is something I call an emotional barf. Some people don't like it because they don't get to use because, but it actually, it's incredibly effective. And all you have to do is just sit down when you're in a funky state and you just list your feelings. Right now I am feeling blank. No, because I'm feeling blank. I'm feeling blank. I'm feeling blank. I'm feeling blank. And you are probably going to notice that you get a mix of positively charged words and negatively charged words. It doesn't matter. You feel like you have too much of the negative stuff and not enough of the positive. And this is a way to neutralize both of them. So you can have less of the stuff you don't want and more of the stuff that you do want. And you may also notice that you get a lot of repeated words. It doesn't matter. That word just has a high charge for you. And you just keep going until you reach a place where there's nothing left. I know that sounds a little bit vague, but I call it an emotional bar for a reason. Because just like when you're barfing, when you have the flu, you know, when you're done, (laughs) it's the same thing. (laughs) Okay, you just have to trust me on that one. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting because that's exactly the opposite of, I think, what traditional therapy does. Like you're rehashing and you're rehashing and you're unpacking yeah. this and that. And like, God, it's exhausting. Yeah. And it doesn't work. But like, oh, we're actually just solidifying yep. garbage. Yep. Yep. It's helpful for people who, you know, lived in situations where I lived, where it's like you were constantly being gaslit into believing that like what you saw, you didn't see and what you're feeling, you're not feeling right. So that can be helpful. Like for people who were like, wait, who who am I? And what is happening? Right. And you go to therapy and you're like, wait a minute, is that a thing? And they're like, yeah, that's a thing. And then you go like, okay, I'm, I'm a whole human being right now. I can trust my emotions to guide me. Like if you were in that kind of a crappy place, yeah, you might need something like that. After that, if your goal for therapy is feeling validated and like, returning to center, I'm 100% for that. If your goal from therapy is trying to end your problematic patterns, uh, I suggest we push pause and maybe ask ourselves, is that really what's going on here? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That's really encouraging because I, I I mean, I for years did therapy, decades even, traditional talk therapy. Yeah. And I felt a little better. Like it was nice to get things off my chest and have someone who truly listened and cared. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you walk away feeling a little bit lighter. Yep. Did it change anything? Yep. Not really. No. It wasn't, and you know, I think this is sort of tied into the work you do, but it wasn't until I started working with a therapist who uses more of these somatic modalities like EMDR, EMDR. that type of thing. So in tapping that I actually saw a shift. It was not like, and tell me if, if hypnosis is similar in this, it wasn't like I forgot things. It wasn't like right. suddenly this was an erased memory from my mind or my yep. life. Yep. It was just that those experiences or events didn't carry that emotional charge so much anymore. And they no longer had the power in my life that they used to. Yes. So there is a depth. So what you're talking about with EMDR, tapping, things like that, those are processes that do access the unconscious. We can get into the technicality of that if you want to, but I think for general purposes, that's why those are effective because they do work. Now, there is a level of depth with those. They can only go so deep because you're using your conscious mind so much with those, right? And sometimes I struggle with that. 
Yeah. I can't get out of that. Exactly. Exactly. There, well, there is, you, everybody has something called a critical factor. So if you think about your unconscious and conscious minds, like a Venn diagram, that little place where they meet in the middle, okay, is, is both a very helpful because it's a window for us to consciously use our unconscious, which is what we need. Right. And there's something that lives in there called the critical factor. It's like a gateway that your unconscious mind uses to try to keep you in that safe zone that you've already adapted to. Right. Yeah. So the more you stay there in that middle place, if you've got a real long-term problematic pattern, the trickier it is when you're using very conscious processes like that. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So when we do higher level unconscious healing work, we're able to make a much deeper transformation very quickly. And I will tell you, there is actually a way to erase memories. I actually worked with a woman who unfortunately witnessed the suicide of her son in her home. Yeah. And I'm sure you can imagine all the problems that she had with that. She drove home from work, walked in her front door, saw what she saw. So she was having trouble, like even getting in her car to drive home from work. And she's a unique person, which is why this works so fast. I don't think this might have worked so fast for everybody else in one session. It's gone. It was gone. And I was like, you're going to have to convince me. I don't actually believe you. This has never happened that fast for anybody else. But I kept checking in with her and she's like, no, I'm fine. I'm like, okay, tell me the one thing that you remember most about your son. And when we started working together, she was like, well, what do you think it is? It's that last memory, right? Which is where most people get stuck, right? And then she was telling me all about the times when like, you know, he did the school play when he was in fifth grade. And those are sweet memories, but they're much harder to access when you have this intense chronic thing. No, it was, it was gone. So we really can do things like that. What, what I find that most people don't need that though, what they need is to see whatever that problematic pattern was, or that one really intense memory is from a much more empowered perspective. You're not who you, even if it happened yesterday, you're not who you were yesterday. You have gained more wisdom since then. And what needs to happen is that the you who was living then needs to receive the wisdom of grown ass you so that you can see that situation from a higher perspective understand that whatever was happening there was just a search for resources. Even if somebody did something horrible to you that on in no planet will ever be acceptable, they were doing it because they were on a search for resources and they didn't know how else to get those resources. And however you responded or you perceived that situation, it's the same thing. It was a search for resources. Well, you have those now. You have them. So what's given to you? Mm-hmm. And we're going to see it in a different way. And yeah, there are other things that we do to make, because I'm a person who is very, very thorough and methodical. I don't want to just go in and like, let's clean this thing up 57 times. I want it gone now. And so we go in and do other things as well. Go grab all the parts of you that are in conflict with this, the parts of you that are in conflict with wanting to be past this for good. Go round all those up, cutting cords between the current version of you and the old version of you. There's a way that I do that that is extremely unconscious so that we can really put this thing to bed for good. And then the the last piece that I think a lot of people either don't realize exists or don't know what to do with is that once you've done a healing, you're actually in a void space. You know who you're not anymore, but maybe you're not quite sure about who you're becoming. That's a very dangerous space to stay in. It's one thing to be in it for a second. But once you do that, you know, your unconscious mind wants safety. And one of the main ways that it's probably going to go about looking to get safety is by repeating old habits, the same kinds of choices and behaviors and things like that, that got you into that problematic situation in the first place. We got to get you out of there as fast as possible. So that's why I build that into the quantum healing process. So you don't leave it. We're not done until you have done. It's a very simple thing. We're just infusing 
the events with this very specific energy. And then once the healing process is technically done, like that internal work, we go back and we do some checking and we do more installation of resources, right? Remember, the whole thing is about a search for resources. So let me give them to you now. And it's about finding the new meaning here. And again, it's very, very simple. You can do the whole thing from like, oh my gosh, I realized I just found a pattern. Let me go get the process to I did the discovery work. I did the self-healing work and I've done the installation of resources. Whole thing, bada bing, bada boom, 30 minutes max. That's all you need. Now you have to go do the work of making new choices. It's not over then, right? You are required to make radically different choices, but then the healing phase is over and the brave work, you know, of taking action in new ways continues. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. (laughs) To say the least. Yeah. So we're getting into that sort of deeper trance state, maybe Mm -hmm. after doing this emotional barf that you talked about. Yeah. And then, you know, when that person is in that state, a deeper trance state, I mean, how unconscious are they? Like, what are you seeing on the screen? Like, what is the person, how aware are we? (laughs) Everybody's different. So I want to say too, like that, when I told you about ancient Hawaiian Huna, you will go the most unconscious there. I've had folks, like, they look like they're asleep in front of me. It's because it sends you so deeply. Unco- I mean, think about it. When you are asleep, when you're actually mm-hmm. physically asleep, that's max unconsciousness, right? When you are fully awake, that is the max consciousness level for you, right? During our waking hours. So from the client's perspective, you can go as deep as you want to into trance. Again, it is up to you. Some people look like they're asleep. <laughs> and some people look like they're fairly coherent. With the quantum healing process that I teach inside my self-paced course, Warrior Woman University, you're actually going to be listening to a series of like, remember those choose your own adventure books that we had yeah. when we were kids, right? So I set the audios up that way so that you're going to get as close to a one-on-one experience as you would get, but it's self-directed. So you're going to be listening to that. So you're going to be, if you've ever meditated before, it's going to look and feel like that. Most people close their eyes. Some people don't, but you're going to be guided the whole way through. When we're in a one-to-one session, I always do those over Zoom. I'm going to use a more powerful spiritual healing tool. And that's because, I mean, first of all, it just cuts through 100% of that conscious resistance. It's just not there with Huna. And I don't teach that yet to my students because in order to receive that, you have to go through a very intense spiritual initiation process. And most people are not ready for that just yet. Later, I will be teaching it in kind of like a level two. But anyway, with my one-to-one clients, that's what I use. And yep, people do. They look like they're partly asleep, but I always, there are cues I use in the process that I do. If this is happening, nod your head. And even if you look like you're out, you're going to nod your head. (laughs) Yeah. So it it just, it depends on the person and and how deep they want to go. But everybody comes back up. You are doing this inside yourself. I'm not doing anything to you. I'm guiding you through a process. With the Huna healing, I'm actually using my breath and my hands to create and blow symbols that I blow to you. So it's a much more high level. There's none consciousness happening on your end. And that is coming in and doing work for you, which is why there's just no conscious resistance at all. And that creates change on the level of identity. It changes who you are, how you see yourself, what's important to you, your values. That is, values are what's most important to you. Yep, at your deepest level of your unconscious. And it has the ability to change those. So that's why all in, in one session, we can just get massive, massive transformations with one quick little process. Yeah. Oh, that's 
amazing. I'm excited to try this with you. Yeah. <laughs> Circle back and we'll do a right? episode after I've done this with you. Totally. So speaking a little bit to, you know, so many people and myself too, like I've done a lot of healing work. I feel like I'm in a healthy place as far as my relationship with my food and my body. Yeah. It was a long road getting here. Is it perfect? Definitely not. Yeah. But, you know, so many people that I work with are really still struggling with self-hatred, body hatred, yep. emotional eating, yep. food addiction, sometimes, you know, alcohol addiction. Yeah. Usually it's a sugar addiction in, in one form or another. Yeah. And so when we're talking about something like that, like if someone decides to do this type of work with you, yeah. what could they expect to shift? Like just speaking to that more specifically. Okay. So the clients that I love working with the most and who tend to get the best results are those who no longer care about why they ended up in the position they're in. Mm. They don't care about who did what to them and what their mm -hmm. damage was. All they care about is putting an end to their personal pain and suffering as fast yeah. as possible. Yeah. And they're committed to being brave, mm. right? This is yep. not a do it to me kind of thing. You've got to right. participate here, right? Yeah. Even with Huna. And you, I mean, that's the, just the fact. You've got to make choices, you know, that are new and, and stop making those choices that you, you've got to make the choices that you avoided making in the past, mm -hmm. okay? So that you can permanently move your life in a new direction. I mean, look, you can think about it like this. If you're stuck inside a deeply problematic pattern that keeps playing out over and over and over again in your life, it kind of feels like your life is on fire, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if your real home, the place where you live your life was on fire, you would call 911 and the yeah. fire department would respond. Now, the fire department is not going to roll up in front of your blazing inferno and just stare at it while yeah. they have a deep discussion about who might have started this fire and how are we going to get that person to stop doing it? They know that's not their job. That's the right. police's job. It's the fire right? The firefighter's job is to protect your ability to live a safe and peaceful life by putting out this fire as fast as possible. You know, the, the issues with putting out fires in your life is that most people really want the police and not the fire department. They're looking yeah. for somebody to blame, right? Yeah, that's so true. Yes, yeah. Sure. And that, that just ain't going to work. So, mm -hmm. I mean, to just be really literal, right? The women who get the best results from working with me have realized that they have to stop blaming everyone, including themselves, for their mm -hmm. circumstances. Exactly. It doesn't matter why you got here, right? Right. And that's what enables them to do healing work that really produces lasting, powerful results. So if you're going to insist on blaming anybody for any reason, you're going to limit your ability to heal. Now, mm -hmm. once the fire is out, Yes, we do need to look at the choices you um, you made or avoided making that contributed to the creation of that problematic pattern. That's what's really going to end this thing. Because, of course, if you make the same old choices, no, you will not be able to recreate the exact same pattern in the exact same way. The neurology that created it is gone. But mm. you will play it out in a new way. And I promise you that's more heartbreaking. It is. Now, this is not about exercising your willpower. Right. Right. Oh. I, I think you would agree. It's not going to produce sustainable results. It's just not because you can't consciously override your unconscious programming. What we do instead is recognize that you made those choices again, because they gave you access to an emotional resource. So there's no need to blame. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we can find out what that resource was and neutralize it so that you have access to it. Now you don't feel compelled 
to do all these unproductive things to try to get it. And you just, right. you're free to do radically different things that will, yep, you're going to have to feel brave. It's it's a little bit like, you know, you're going to have to do some Wonder Woman moves. Yes, you are, right? That lead you in a brand new direction that you can stay in permanently, right? So I believe that, I mean, you may have heard it in there. There is like an addiction compulsion component to every kind of problematic pattern. Mm-hmm. So let's recognize that you know, and bring that into our healing, right? Because even if we don't like it, we become adapted to living in dysfunctional ways. And that that's what allows that problematic pattern to continue. And in order to break it for good, we need to break our addiction to being the version of ourselves who tolerated it Mm. so that we can become someone new. This is about healing and letting go of your old identity. And you have to be willing to let that old identity and everything that came with it die away. The degree to which you are willing to let your old identity die is the degree to which that you will be able to live in new ways. That's the way it works. Yeah. And something that you said when we were just chatting before we started recording, I thought was really profound. And you said, you know, it's one thing to remove that compulsion or to take the power away from the negative thing. It's it's yet another thing to start taking action in the opposite direction. Yep. Start moving forward with what you need to do versus just focusing on what you need to not do. Right. And so I have a similar thing that I always try to reiterate over and over to my clients that let's say dessert after dinner is like your Achilles heel and you always want something sweet after eating dinner and you just can't say no to it. It's so hard. It's like, well, you can't just remove the sweet after dinner and expect to not have this like gaping hole there, you know, you need to fill it with something. And like you said, that resource, what is filling that emotional need? What resource can you put in place there that takes the place that fills that void? Mm-hmm. So I heard a really interesting podcast the other day where the gal was talking about, she's decided to go alcohol free for a whole year. And initially she was only going to do one month. And then she kind of was like, oh, maybe I'll do 90 days. And then it extended to three months. And then she eventually like almost hit the six month mark. And she's like, well, why not just keep going with this? But one of the really cool things that enabled her to stay on this path was the fact that she, you know, and everyone's different with whatever reasons that they have. But for her, it wasn't so much about having the drink or the ritual of making the drink. She and her husband are wine lovers. They enjoy really good wine. It was about kind of the taste but more so about the connection and the time of like just connecting with her husband over this, unwinding, enjoying that time together. So she realized like that was actually the really powerful piece of this. So how can we find this connection and downtime together that's not, you know, focused on the glass of wine? Yeah. So they started taking walks with their dogs in the evening together and, you know, Obviously, at different times of year, that can be more easy than others, depending on the planet (laughs) you live in. But I thought it was really cool because by identifying like, okay, what was that emotional hole it was filling? Like, what was the emotional need there? Yep. Yep. What is this providing me? And making peace with that. Like, I always tell people, like, make peace with the fact that food served you on some level up till now. Yeah. You know, and I actually found it really, really helpful. I have a whole phase in Warrior Woman University, my self-paced course, where we talk about pleasure and desire specifically, mm-hmm. the big concepts of pleasure and desire, Yeah, right? We're hardwired for as humans. Yes, we need those things. Don't make them weird. But especially as women, 
there is shame around both of those things. 100%. Yep. Right? Especially so, and, and it, it impacts every area of your life. And I'll tell you right now, the reason why you want what you want, let's say you want a brand new Mercedes. You don't actually want the Mercedes. You want the pleasure of being driven around in a Mercedes. That's what you really want, right? So there's pleasure associated with everything in our lives. And what we need to do is make sure that our relationship to pleasure as a general concept is healthy and beneficial for you, right? Same thing with desire. And then on the other end of this spectrum is, you know, people pleasing and self-sacrifice. That's so huge. Because I think especially as women too, because if you were to go ask 10 people, how do you know a woman is a good woman? I can almost guarantee you 10 out of 10 of those people are going to say she puts everybody else before herself. Do you realize what's happening when you do that? When you do that, you are saying, yeah, I'm going to have less so you can have more. Anytime you do that, it means at the highest level, you are dying to try to live. Is that what you want to do? Is that really what you want to do? And in order for you to go to sleep at night, knowing that you're a good person, you have to feel dead inside in some way. No, thank I mean, you. right. But like yeah. this, this is where we go when we start getting curious about our life and really asking ourselves, what's going on behind the surface? Wait a minute. Is that something I really want to do? Right. And then, I mean, look, I'm, I am a mama bear at my core. Currently I am a single mom to three homeschooled kids and being a mom and showing up for them is the most important thing to me. It it still is. Right. But I didn't know until a few years ago how to be a mom without doing major self-sacrifice. And in order for me to live in a new way, and that was that self-sacrifice was what was allowing me to be abused right? I was abusing myself and putting myself in situations where I felt like this is normal. And not only is it normal, this is good for me. This is how I be a good person, right? Yep. So I had to allow my identity. What does it mean to be a good person, to be a good mother? Those definitions had to totally change. And I had to be okay with that, with those totally changing, you know, in order for me to really end that pattern. I did that work. And I can tell you now, I see massive changes and my kids are not who they used to be anymore. And we have a much, much better, much more healthy relationship since I allowed myself to stop being a self-sacrificer. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. And it models it for them. Exactly. And that was the thing I really realized. If I don't stop self-sacrificing, how is this pattern going to end? Well, they're going to have to, oh, okay. No, 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 no. Yeah. 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 It's so powerful. It really is. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've shared things that with my clients who are parents, but I am not a parent. So I think it's really powerful to hear a parent say like, no, this really makes a difference in your child's lives too. But again, I think at some point we have to, whether we're parents or we're not parents, we have to detach from doing whatever it is that we should need, want to do for someone else's benefit, right? Like at some point, I think that we need to just go what do I need? What do I want? How do I want to feel inside this earthly shell that I have? Because I've only got one. Yep. And if I don't feel like working out one day, but man, it sure makes me feel really good afterwards and my energy is better the rest of the day. Like, mm-hmm. when is the trade off worthwhile for us? Like, I think we have to kind of get to that point where we go, this is what I need for myself, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. And if it's uncomfortable for whatever reason, mm-hmm. be it because we're taking time away from, I don't know, doing something with a PTA or baking cookies or something, that the world is not going to end if we say no to that, right? right? We can say yes to these 
acts of self-love, self-care. Mm-hmm. And the more that we can do that, we can solidify that like this actually feels good in my body. This feels good to me. I am doing something for myself and it builds that self-trust, builds that self-love. Yeah. And that and trust it- muscle is is huge. Mm-hmm. And I also believe too that it's like once you start to really understand that you have no authority over anyone but yourself. Yeah. <laughs> which means like I I can't. There's no way for me to stop anyone else from feeling any way. Emotions are things that happen totally inside you. They are based on your unique neurological profile. That's it. I can say words to you and I have no idea how that's going to impact right. you. Now look, yeah. I'm not an asshole. I can make a guess, right? <laughs> I don't I don't want to be a jerk just to be a jerk. That's not how I am, right? Okay. So like it's both of those things. You know, but also it's like, you know, I get into these situations where, you know, somebody's asking me to bake the cookies, somebody's asking me to, you know, do whatever. And I now, in the past, I would have said, oh, absolutely, I will bake the cookies. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I will do this thing that I definitely don't want to do, but you will feel disappointed if I don't. So I'm for sure going to say yes to that, right? Okay. Now I ask myself, what do I want? Because I know I'm the only person who is in charge of me. So And this is the only place that my authority lies. And I'm going to trust that by doing what's right for me, what's right for you will also happen. Even if the consequences of my actions are you in the moment getting a little bit pissed. Yep. That's not my business. Your emotions are your business. I don't have any authority over that, right? Once you get in that place, you take all your power back to live your life in a way that is truly vibrant, joyful, and fulfilling. The more you keep doing this people-pleasing nonsense, even in the name of like being a good person and giving to your kids and being a good mom, it's not. It's not that way. It doesn't work that way. You won't be happy. The degree to which you do that is the degree to which you will suffer. Yeah. And I will say that's the most common theme that I see repeated among people who struggle with weight and emotional eating is people-pleasing. Yeah. It's a thing, man. It's a thing. It's baked into our definition of uh, not even just a good woman. I think it's more intense for women, but everybody. How do I be a good person? I put everybody else before myself, and that's how I. I, I think uh, collectively we are very slowly. There's folks like us who are awakening to that realization that that's that's actually not how it is, and we're starting to live this way. And it does feel like a rebellion, and it does feel like we're living outside of the norm. And yep, some people might look at that and have their own very intense feelings about that, but that's not my business. <laughs> That's their business. Mm-hmm. My job is to live in the way that serves my highest good. Yes, absolutely. And you know, I've had a really interesting, this is a little bit off track, but I think it's important to mention because I know so many women and actually many of my clients who deal with this too, ha- as someone who has chosen consciously and made a you know, concerted effort to not have children, Yeah, man, there is so much backlash and that yeah. really like triggers people in a huge way. And I'm it's only the last, I'd say probably eight years or so, maybe seven, eight years that I have kind of been like, whatever, like if you're good, that's your deal. I'm not making any judgments on what you've chosen for yourself. This has nothing to do with you. Like, whatever, if it upsets you, I'm sorry. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. can't help that. (laughs) You're on your own. Well, but it's a really interesting thing because it's this really huge step and sort of statement Mm -hmm. that says, I am going to go against every societal norm, cultural, familial norm, and make a choice because I know that this is the right thing for me. And I know it's not going to be easy. Yeah, that's right. 
That's right. And you know what? I had, uh, I grew up knowing from the time I was a very little girl that I wanted kids. This was yeah. not something that I was like, oh, you get married and then you have babies. And then like, I don't know, that's what you do. That's not how it was for me. Yeah. <laughs> I will say though, that there were other things in my life where that was the case. And when I got a divorce, my entire immediate circle of friends evaporated instantly. And I, at first I, I couldn't believe it. I was absolutely shocked. And then later I looked back and I was like, you know what? I wonder if some of these folks were thinking that like this kind of liberation was catching. <laughs> and, you know, if some of them weren't a little tiny bit jealous because they weren't happy in their lives. And the choice that I made was triggering in some way for them. And again, that's not my business. I just have to do what's what serves my highest good and trust that that's going to serve the highest good of everybody else too. A hundred percent. And I will throw this extra little comment about this in because I think that it's, well, it's just something I see all the time and it ties into that people pleasing too. Mm -hmm. When it comes to food choices, there's a, I think it's Dr. Will Cole had a great quote recently. He said, avoiding foods that don't agree with you isn't being restrictive. It's self-respect. Yes. And so many people that I work with really struggle with the social aspect of, you know, I have people who are severely gluten intolerant or have autoimmune disease and they really need to be avoiding certain foods. They know they feel better when they do. Yeah. But because they're in social situations, those are the times when they really struggle to draw those boundaries or just ask the server for what they need or stand up yeah. for themselves because they either have friends who give them a hard time about it mm -hmm. or they just are worried that they're going to be that person, that high maintenance person and be perceived as being, you know, picky or entitled. And trust me, like typically if it's, if they're worried about that, they're not a picky entitled person no. by nature or they wouldn't even cross their minds. No. But I think that it's a really good example of just saying, look, this doesn't work for my body and mm -hmm. I am not going to eat it because it doesn't work for my body. And whatever else, you know, everyone else wants to do is up to them. Yep. 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 But it's really true. Like oftentimes I will see people you know, as they go through this journey of making shifts with the way that they eat, incorporating movement, better self-care, et cetera, mm -hmm. prioritizing sleep, whatever, you know, eliminating alcohol or reducing it from their lives, like the social structure around that can start to get shaky. It can shift drastically. And so I think that's another aspect where this kind of work that you do could be really, really helpful because I think mm -hmm. that, you know, as humans, like, part of survival is being a part of like being in community. Like there's a survival yeah. instinct there. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And if we start to see our community mm -hmm. or support system mm -hmm. potentially falling apart or losing parts of that or individual, mm -hmm. whatever that might look like, mm -hmm. that can feel really, really scary. And I, you know, it, it's not uncommon that that will be the breaking point for someone where they're like, yeah. I just can't, I can't do this because yeah. on that subconscious neurological level, it's like, oh my God, like, yep, I might die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It can feel like that. Yeah. It absolutely can feel like that. And here's what I'll say about entitlement. I am entitled to live mm -hmm. in a body that feels fully healthy. Amen. Thank you very much. I am entitled to that. Absolutely. And you are not entitled to tell me how, what's, how that looks, yep. right? 
you're not entitled to do that. And I'll tell you, this conversation too around like eating and food and all that stuff came up in my life a lot. So I'm severely gluten and dairy intolerant. And I also, I just choose not to drink. I mean, I've, you know, I told you my story about I've just never lived inside a normal body. And for me, I just like, I don't want to on purpose put things in my body that I know are not nourishing. So I just make, that's the choice that I make. No judgment for anybody else. But my ex-husband as a raging alcoholic had a huge problem with that. And he'd want to trot me along to his little business things. And I'd get my little glass of iced tea or water, whatever. Nobody knows what's in there. And he would get furious with me. Be like, you're making everybody else uncomfortable. And I'm like, I don't. (laughs) Okay. You're not. Yeah. It's not my deal. It's not my deal. Right. It, you know, but it made him uncomfortable because it pointed out the ways that he cannot say no. Exactly. And he knows that it's a shift he wants to make. Yeah. Or yep. need, needs to make, didn't mm-hmm. want to make it. He, no. knew, he needed to do and it tries to hit on that, but they don't want to or they're not ready. And so that's often when people will start to avoid us or give us a hard time. Mm-hmm. And again, we don't have control over that. That's no. their emotional work to do. Yep. And like, let's just be honest here. Okay. When you start to do real healing work, yeah, mm-hmm. some folks in your life might have a problem with that. Yep. And it might mean that you are no longer an energetic match for those people. Yeah. If you're going to insist on being an energetic match for them, you might go backwards in your healing. Yeah. That might happen for you. So, putting it. yep. Mm-hmm. So, again, the degree to which you are going to prioritize your own well being is the degree to which you will be well. But there it is. <laughs> we can be done now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to write that down. (laughs) The degree to which you will prioritize your own Mm well-being is the degree to which you will be well. It's just true. It's the degree to which you will be well. I'm so quoting you on that. I love it. Yeah. And I think the flip side of that that's so exciting, Genevieve, that I see in you, I'm sure you've seen this with clients too, when we actually start to make those choices unapologetically Mm -hmm. and we just say, this is what I'm doing because this is what serves me well, this is what I need. Yeah. It actually empowers those people in our lives who are meant to be in our lives, who yes. are healthy, energetic matches for us to go, yes. I could do that too. That's exactly right. Right? It gives mm-hmm. them permission somehow to be like, you know what? I could do this. You can do this. We all have a right to take good care of ourselves. That is such a great point because you know what? If Inside us, I think especially as women, we do have this desire to do for others and to heal, yes. right? Well, here's the thing. It's this both situation, okay? You only have authority over yourself. So when you reclaim that authority fully and you start doing things that are only right for you, you allow other people to heal because you become a beacon of hope for them. And they say to themselves, oh my God, I didn't even know that was possible, but she's doing it, which means I must be able to do it too. And look what happens. And you allow, you create the space and the process for which other people can rise up as well. So yes. this is, if you want to actually help people, you you do it by helping yourself and like, don't be shy about it. Tell people yeah. and let them see and they'll yeah. come along with you. That's how we actually do the real work. It's not this other business. It's not this people pleasing. It's not the self-sacrifice. Yeah. That ain't it. This is how we do it. Yes. You prioritize yourself and your well-being because it's the only place where you have authority and you mm-hmm. watch all the people come along with you. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. So, wow, <laughs> this has been a great conversation and I learned so much and I'm super excited because I'm going to schedule a session with you. I really want to do this. And, oh, I'd love to have um, you. Yeah. And like I say, we'll circle back and and we'll do another episode at some point. We'll talk about it and, and uh, you know, we'll yeah. do the before and afters. Yeah, right. You briefly mentioned your courses, but tell us more yeah. about how people can find you, 
how they can work with you. And of course, in the show notes, I'll include all of your links to your website, social, et cetera, but give us the download. Awesome. So in a one-to-one container, I work with women who have one very specific problematic pattern that they know this thing has got to go now or something bad is going to happen for me. The container for that is called the Quantum Healing Intensive. It's an eight-week container where we focus on healing the source of that problematic pattern, your blocks to getting what you want to have instead, and then moving you forward by taking brave action so that you can get away from who you used to be and step into that new reality of who you want to become so that we permanently move your life in a new direction. And then my self-paced course is called Warrior Woman University, where I teach you how to do that process for yourself, how to do that investigative work and really get curious about your life. Phase one is learning about how you created the situation that you are in now so you can learn how to create a new one and stop creating this one, right? It's like getting the owner's manual to your own life. And then in phase two, we learn the ins and outs of the quantum healing process. How does this thing work so that you can use it with total authority? And then in that also, you find those self-guided, self-healing audios so that you can have that experience of a one-to-one healing without the actual one-to-one healing. And then it's like you train yourself to do it. So once you know the process, you don't need the audios anymore. You can do it for yourself anytime you want to. And then in phase three, we are expanding your capability to receive the life that you desire by doing things like neutralizing the concepts of pleasure and desire and self-sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. So that we can actually make big changes and hold on to them over the long term. And then phase four is like, okay, now we're getting down to business. It's about learning how to take action in brave new ways in a way that actually gives you more energy than you put out. So you're never feeling depleted. We're never just using willpower. That's not a thing, right? And we are being brave. We are doing new things, right? So it's all of that together. And then very strategically placed throughout the course are constitutional healings where we help you heal all the major negative emotions from your past. We help you integrate your conscious, unconscious, and higher conscious minds. This is most people's, one of their favorite ones. So there's no resistance anymore. Those three aspects of you are all working together as one unified body to help you move you forward in life and heal in in very, very profound ways. And there's six guided constitutional healings that we do throughout the course, plus that. And then there's monthly live calls. So that is my digital baby. I am so proud of it. I can't even tell you. (laughs) Yeah. And I, you know, the, the healing, I'll just tell you one quick story of this client. One of my favorite clients, her name is Cynthia. She and I worked together in the one-to-one quantum healing intensive a year or so ago. It was over a year. I guess it was a year and a half ago. And we were working on a specific pattern related to relationships. And then I knew she had some big health challenges. I know that in the past she had dealt with leukemia, but we didn't really get into the depths of that. And then when I created Warrior Woman University, I called her up and asked her if she wanted to be one of my beta testers. And she agreed. But what she didn't tell me then, which was it was just a year ago from now, was that she had just been diagnosed with end-stage leukemia. And her doctors told her that she had about 30 days to live and that she should call hospice. But she just knew in her heart that her life wasn't over. And she felt like she was being given an opportunity with Warrior Woman University to do this deeply healing work for herself. And it was a gift that showed up like just when she needed it. So, I mean, man, she dove in head first and she just made this big commitment to never ignore or numb herself to any challenge or big emotion that came up in her life. And one year later, this was a 
about a month or two ago, she sent me a Voxer message and said that she just returned back from the hospital after undergoing extensive testing. And even though she stopped all medical treatment, her leukemia was totally gone. No cancer anywhere. And uh, like, I'm thrilled for her. Like, this is amazing, right? And also, I'm not surprised. This is work that works when you are fully committed to doing the work. And she was. And that's that's why this happened for her. You get to make miracles. If I mean, it, it's, it, I know it sounds like crazy and wacky, but like there is a way to make magic in your life. And I, and I, I found it <laughs> and I did it and I can show you how to do it too. It's incredible. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank yeah. you so much for joining me and sharing us with us today. And like I said, everybody, you can find Genevieve's information in the show notes. Go check out her work. Check out Warrior Woman University and her one-on-one work if that rings your bell. And yeah, we'll circle back at some point and we'll talk some more in the future. And yeah, just thanks again for, for sharing all of your story and your wisdom. It's been a super fun show. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so great. I love it. All right. Until next time. Thanks, everybody. Hey there, thanks for hanging out with me today. And if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave me a quick review. Also, check out the show notes for links to connect, follow, and share this podcast and for information featured in each episode. See you next time. I am not a doctor and the content here should not be taken as medical advice. All information in this podcast is for informational purposes only, does not constitute medical advice, and does not establish any kind of practitioner or coach-client relationship. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Do not disregard medical advice or delay seeking medical advice because of information you hear in this podcast or any other. And do not start or stop any medications without speaking to your health provider. Always seek the advice of a qualified health practitioner before undertaking a new health regimen. This podcast and website represents the opinion of Jeannie Oliver and guests to the show. Opinions of guests are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Genie Oliver Wellness LLC or our producers.